Welcome. You are listening to Intentional Conversations from Nika White Consulting, an encore presentation of our weekly vodcast where we intersect diversity, equity, and inclusion with leadership and business. Let the conversation begin. And now today, it does me great pleasure to introduce our wonderful guest host. And Jason and I connected several months back, and we'll get into exactly how in a little bit. But I, of course, want to give you a formal introduction of Jason, as we normally do here on Intentional Conversations podcast. And then I will welcome him by um, allowing him to unmute himself and just greet this audience in his own way. Jason is a learning designer and facilitator with a specific interest in mindfulness and athletics. He has helped support healthy and inclusive communities, youth, workplaces, and teams globally. Jason is a certified mindfulness and EQ coach trained through Search Inside Yourself, the global mindfulness platform developed at Google. He is also a business development lead designing the first youth and teen mindfulness stress reduction and relaxation known as YTMSR for short. And this is a program that's in Northern California for Kaiser. And so, so super excited to welcome Jason today. Jason, please do us the honors of unmuting yourself and I'm going to spotlight you so that um, the team can um, have a great visual to you, but just greet the audience in your own way and tell us what we may not know about you from just reading your bio. What else can you share with us, Jason? Welcome. Yeah, certainly. Thank you so much for having me, everyone. I'm calling, calling in and joining from California and San Francisco. So it's a little earlier for me, but good morning, top of the a.m. Um, yeah, born and raised in San Francisco, went to UC Berkeley for undergrad studying public health and completed my master's degrees in behavioral health and global entrepreneurial management. I'm currently um, leading well-being workshops, trainings, facilitations, all with the goal of reducing stress burnout and languishing. Mm. I work with the full development of ages from youth and teens, as was mentioned, all the way up to corporate um, audiences and adults. And I truly believe that there are inner skills for resourcing that we can practice in real time that can help us put our best foot forward. So that's why I'm here. And that's what, what I do is help people tilt the scales to well-being help them lopside their day to the healthy. And so a couple of things that you wouldn't know about me, played a few sports in college as a walk-on. A walk-on is someone that does not have a scholarship. So I participated in basketball, volleyball, and track and field all at UC Berkeley as an undergrad student. I love to travel. The most recent place I went to before the pandemic was Prague from our partners ballroom, international ballroom dance competition. And something most recent, we were just talking about this prior to the call. I have a six month old and we just started feeding them, feeding him, his name is Ocean, uh, food. So he's developing taste buds. So we started pureeing food and we were discussing adding some taco flavor and seeing how you would go with that. <laughs> so thank you so much for the introduction. 
No, absolutely, Jason. I'm tickled by that because you all should have been on before the top of the hour. We were talking, um, you know, just among ourselves and, and Jason and my colleague, Courtney Perry. Apparently, Jason shared the tip of the taco seasoning and um, my my colleague, Courtney, said, no, it didn't work for her baby girl. So <laughs> I was I was real intrigued by that. But yes, people are saying into the chat that your background is really intriguing. You have a lot of intersecting um, disciplines and experiences that sometimes you don't always see connected. And so I love that you've been able to carve out a niche for yourself and um, body of work that seems to be quite impactful. So let's jump right into that, Jason. You're real big on mindfulness. And that was one of the reasons that I also gravitated to your message and your platform and what you do, because we mm -hmm. often talk a lot about the importance of mindfulness in this work of diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, we say that if you aren't mindful, then you aren't practicing situational awareness. You don't have your own self-awareness, which means you're not noticing when inclusion is being compromised. And then if you're not noticing, how can you be called to action to try to change that? And so I want you just to share with this audience, what does mindfulness mean to you? And give us a little bit of um, a deeper understanding of the theory um, as it operates in terms of operating from a place of mindfulness and how it shows forth into our effectiveness. Yeah, certainly. So I would say mindfulness has two components, awareness of mind and body, and that second component being of attitude. But attitude of what? What type of attitude? An attitude of curiosity and kindness. Mm -hmm. So it's really the ability to intentionally use our breath to focus our mind and body to make healthy choices. And so that's where it becomes a behavioral concept. So really what that means is mindfulness is all about being in the present. It's about being in the here and the now, which is all about being human. So in what ways do you help coach people around strengthening their ability to actualize um, effective mindfulness? Yeah, so effective mindfulness is stopping mm -hmm. and if we've ever seen uh the red stop sign when you're driving possibly when you're walking crossing the street i like to say that we're all mindful warriors we all know what mindful is we're kind of experts at it but it really determines where you place your awareness your focus your attention so the example of crossing the street stop we all see the sign we stop our cars we literally look both ways to make sure that our next step isn't in front of a bus. Mm. And so stop is one practical tool that we can use, just stopping our body, stopping our mind. And it's actually an exercise and tool that stands for S is for stop, T is for take a breath, O is for observe, and P is peacefully proceed. And I would bet that we each do that every single day before when we come to a stoplight, a stop sign, or if we're just trying to cross the street. We look both ways before crossing because we know that our life actually depends on it. And so mindfulness is about bringing in that moment-to-moment -moment awareness in each of the areas of our lives that, that we step into, not just the ones we care about. 
I love that, Jason. I want to make sure I go back and I repeat the, the stop just because it was so powerful. So you said S is for stop. T is for take a breath, breathe, lots of value in, in breathing. O is for observe. And then the P is for um, peacefully proceed. Did I get that right? Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love that. That is great. I, yeah. And I think we each do that every day. We may not be aware of it because it's so subconscious to us. It's like, this, this is how we survive. So this is who I am. I am going to stop at the corner. And that's what mindfulness is, bringing in those moment by moment awareness in each step, which can sound like a lot. But once we get into the practice of it, which is why it is a practice, we need to train ourselves to have this type of response rather than reacting to the intensities of life, which we can't really control, i.e. the pandemic. No one really wants to be in this pandemic. Maybe some of us now that we get a little more me time, isolation, self-care time, time to think about what do I actually need to help me be the best person in, the, in my community, in my family, at work, where I actually need to show up. Yeah. And when I think about mindfulness, it has such value to, to your point, Jason, every aspect of life, you know, while we like to center a lot of our conversations on connecting um, topics to diversity, equity, and inclusion. But when I think about those just very intentional moments of pausing and reflecting and being guided by our emotions, being in touch with our emotions and being guided by what we're thinking, what we're feeling. I think that there's a lot of value in, um, in those moments because it helps us to be present and to understand how are we feeling, how are we showing up and what do we want the outcome to be as we proceed you know, in whatever activity this is. And I think that's so important. You mentioned the word curiosity um, a moment ago as you were describing mindfulness in this work. And I love mm -hmm. that because you know, we talk a lot at NWC about the importance of curiosity. In fact, it's one of our core values. And for us, what that looks like is, you know, seeking to understand first before we assume, before we react, and even before we try to solve, right? And being these lifelong learners, intentionally in search of opportunities that can help deepen our knowledge and our, and our growth and understanding our skill sets. So the reason that I wanted to bring that up is because when we realize that part of the tension points that exist right now around a lot of these conversations that are so complex, relevant to diversity, equity, and inclusion, belonging, justice, it's, I think that it behooves us as a society to also lean more into our curiosities. And, and I think that your analogy of stop is a great way to be more in tune to, for that to happen. So any, any reactions to that? Yeah, no, I mean, curiosity is all about being in wonder, being yeah. interested. And so when I use the term curiosity, it's all about being interested in your life, lack of judgment. Yeah, really easy to judge ourselves to get in our heads, follow that negative thought. But the curiosity kind of reduces that. Because I'm curious, I'm interested in what's happening. I'm interested in this moment, this present right. moment. And when I step in and I lead with curiosity, when I lead with that interest and wonder of my own experience and my life, then I'm able just to see a little bit more clearly. 
and I'm able to be more intentional about the things that I actually need. So you asked about uh, what is mindfulness uh, to start. And I would say that it's a, a quick way to kind of define it is from the shift from autopilot to aware. Mm-hmm. And that awareness, stepping into that awareness, is the curiosity. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. To me, it's almost like the difference between reacting and responding. When we're reacting, it's just in the moment. We're not thinking at all about any type of long-term consequences, right? But when mm-hmm. we respond, hopefully it's because we're taking those moments of pause, right? We're stopping and we're being reflective and we're thinking about what do we want the outcome to be? And, mm-hmm. and again, I think there's so much power in, in what you're sharing. And so I, I so appreciate that. Um, so I want to move a little bit and I want to talk about this mindfulness work to the self-advocacy empowerment um, work that you do um, in general from an athletics perspective. So how do you mm-hmm. um, intersect the two? And um, especially as you work with youth and other individuals, can you just share a little bit more about how you connect all of those um, concepts together? Yeah, so you, the, the question is around connecting athletics, mindfulness, empowerment. Self-advocacy, empowerment, yes, yes. You blend all of those together quite well. That's why I said you have a very specific niche in the way in which you, um, you know, intersect these things. So I want you to share with this audience how you do that effectively. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a quote that I'd, I'd like to share, and it's, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Now that that quote was by Viktor Frankl. He was a psychologist, neurologist, and a Holocaust survivor. Mm. So I'll read again, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space, is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. So when I think about that, the first thing that comes to mind is just stopping. Again, that STOP, to allow my mind to connect to my body, to have that full body feeling and when that happens, I'm able to lower my shoulders. I'm able to take a breath and actually notice it, to actually feel it. Mm-hmm. And the ease starts to creep in. Does not solve challenges for you, mm-hmm. but it gives you a path to seek what's needed with clarity and so when we think about the intersection when we think about empowering folks when we think about stepping into aware and stepping out of autopilot then we can actually show up for what's needed we can actually speak up to how we should be treated and how organizations should be run and we're able to put our best foot forward which increases and enhances the community Mm-hmm. And each of us are joining this call from different communities, different places. I'm in California, San Francisco right now, but we've come together for this intentional conversation. 
which lifts us all up. Yes. So when we think about how do we blend and support other groups and empower individuals within groups, it comes from a place of stopping so that we can choose our response rather than, rather than being taken by it. Mm-hmm. And when we can choose our response, we're able to then advocate for ourselves, our families, our friends, and those we care about, which creates a community. So mindfulness is all about that present moment, connecting mind and body so that we know what we need, what the village needs. And I think that relationship provides, I don't want to say hope, I want to say faith. And faith meaning hope plus action is how I determine or how I define faith. Mm -hmm. Having that action with the hope that we're leaning into. Yeah. Jason, one of the things that really intrigued me about you um, when we first connected, and, and again, we'll tell that story in just a second, is I listened to you talk then and even now, you're so thoughtful about every single word. And, um, and, and, and then when it comes out, I, I, I'm left like just writing and writing and writing. You just said, choose our response rather than be taken by it. And we lose power when we are not stopping and allowing ourselves to be able to choose our response. And so when I think about the importance of power and how useful power is for helping us to navigate spaces um, effectively when we are feeling less than, when we are feeling, when we maybe we're the only, when maybe we're feeling isolated, unaccepted, and we can't be our full selves. Um, I think standing in as much of our power as possible is, is a tremendous value set. And so I, I appreciated those words, choose our response rather than be taken by it. How many of us are often taken by our response and later we're like, oh, I wish I had have done it this way. And had we just paused, I know my hand as well. I love that. I love that so much. Okay, so I want to stay here for a second. And um, I mentioned, of course, in your bio that you work often with youth and teens and your your passion just in general about meeting individuals where they are. How do you take this approach when working with adults in the workforce that are needing to unlearn years of harmful coping mechanisms, not properly channeling emotions, taking unhealthy approaches to reducing stress? So can you just speak to that for a moment? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Behavioral health, mindfulness, behavioral health was defined to me as the intersection of mind and body. And when mind and body connect, that determines our behavior. Mindfulness is an awareness of your mind and body. So when I think about overall well-being, wellness, when I think about behavioral health and mindfulness and mental skills, we're talking about noticing our body. We're talking about training our breathing so that we can actually take a full deep breath. There's no secrets. I mean, the secret is be in touch with yourself in a kind and curious way. 
So I would say that we generally know what's healthy and what's unhealthy. I shared that I have a master's in behavioral health and global entrepreneurial management. Even those, you know, on this call and, and when we talk about corporate communities and corporate spaces, a lot of those folks have higher education. The more support you have, the more resources you have. Mm -hmm. So knowledge is power. We have the access. So as we talk about the power to choose or not to choose, when I think about well-being and behavioral health and these many tools that we have at our own disposal for free, meaning the mind, the body, leaning into yoga, and any of the well-being and holistic practices and exercises that we can do, I guess my question is, do we do them? Mm -hmm. Yeah. People are not crazy. People just need a little bit of centering. There's a lot of talk around mental health and stigmas of mental health and people not wanting to reach out or speak up. All of this work is just about a little bit of centering. If we think, if we look at the world right now, I call it a VUCA time, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And we can't necessarily change it, like we're in it. And when we're in this VUCA world, we need opportunities to turn it around so that we can become visionary, understanding, caring and compassionate and move with agility through the places that give us a little bit of intensity or irritation. Mm -hmm. So that centering for adults is just about, hey, how do we add that self-care? How do we add that well-being? How do we add that joy into your day? Because we know that the VUCA world, V-U-C-A, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, may strike at any time. So it's not about perfection. It's about managing our time wisely so that we can show up as our best self. Mm -hmm. So again, it really does come to the stopping. It comes to the awareness of knowing where I'm at, how my body is feeling. And a, an exercise I really enjoy doing is just having people take off their shoes and socks and just feeling their feet on the floor. Actually feeling your feet on the floor and knowing where now. you're at on the earth. Yeah. yeah. And we can all do it now. Just feel yeah. your feet on the floor. Yeah. I like, I like to say that your right foot is here and your left foot is now. So when you're in the here and now, you're in the present moment. You can't take them into the past. You can't walk them into the future, but you can tap your left foot, tap your right foot like, like Dorothy and know that you're here and now in this present moment, you're alive and that you matter. And we can even all stand up right now and just feel like take up this space. 
yeah. a lot of a lot of times we try to nestle in a corner and say oh i'm here when intentionally we should say no i'm here take up space i love that and i take so up love the space. that yeah yeah no i love that um I'm betting that maybe some people in this audience, maybe the next event, meeting, room, space that they walk into, we're going to be much more mindful, and I'm using that word intentional, pun intended, about, yes, I'm here, take up space, don't just go off into the corner. I love that. Mm -hmm. Do you find, Jason, that organizations are much more open now because of the pandemic, of really leaning into issues of combining mindfulness with well-being to, to help their associates? Yes, the conversation is definitely widening. The conversation is definitely widening. There's, they understand that their employees, their workforce needs support. Again, and as I just shared, we aren't crazy. It's just mm -hmm. a little bit of centering from this VUCA world. I, I hear a lot about this balance, and I really want to push back on balance. This balance assumes that there's a little bit of negativity there's a, there's some irritation there's something that's going on that says hey i need to rebalance so i need self-care now and when that when we experience that we usually say well i'll, I'll do it after work i'll do the self-care this weekend and we keep pushing off the self-care when it's supposed to be balanced so we're not really balancing to tilted scale and we're tilting it towards the negativity because it's easier to say, well, I'm so busy that I have to do X, Y, and Z that I can't take care of myself. Mm -hmm. I haven't mm -hmm. had a sip of water all day. I've just been going, going, going. I just had another energy drink. I just had some coffee, but I know water is good for me, but I won't sip that. I'll just go for the things that are just going to drain me. And so we need the centering. And employees are seeing that. You hear about the great resignation. You hear yeah. about 55% of employees are looking for new jobs. So employers need to begin supporting their employees to find a lane of belonging, not just show up to work. But right. why do I actually belong here? And employees are now beginning to ask that themselves. Why do I belong here? I had a, I was in a recent conversation with someone who switched jobs and he was saying that, you know, my employer just was not accommodating my child, the ability to work from home and just navigating all of the changes with the pandemic. So he switched jobs and now he says that he's at a company that allows them to work from home, works with him with his kids and is open to him having a family. And he said that mentally his stress is down. Yeah. And so he's able to show up for work. Something I really thought was interesting as we talk about this mind-body connection is that he wasn't at his first job Mentally, he, he was getting a little stressed out. They weren't allowing him to feel like he belongs. And that belonging crept into his physical, which made him say, hey, I actually don't feel like being here. I don't want to show up 
in that space. And so what started off as a mental unease turned into, I'm not re ready to get up to go to work for this, these folks. Yeah. No, that's real talk. Thank you for bringing that example to the conversation. Um, in a Spotlight article, you actually mentioned that you're working to, and I'm quoting this here, tilt the scale to well-being. Can you elaborate on what this means and advise others on how they can also take this approach? I think it's along the lines of what you were just sharing. Mm -hmm. and, and even to the name of this uh, vodcast, intentional. <laughs> and that's really what I mean. It's all about being intentional. Choose health. Choose self-care. Yeah. Choose yourself intentionally so that you can put your best foot forward. Yeah. So we're soon going to switch to the audience questions and comments. And so we want to give you a chance to be able to unmute yourself um, and share live, or you can also just place your questions into the chat and we'll certainly bring those to the conversation. But I want to shift here before we do that. And I want to talk a little bit about how you and I first connected. So it was, uh, I don't know, maybe around this time last year, we were gearing up for a conference that you and I both were a part of. And a portion of this conference, um, the topic was men as allies, white men as allies. And it was a panel that you served on, um, as well as other individuals. And I remember in that panel, you talked a lot about healthy masculinity and how that is you know, a gateway to being able to be an effective ally. So I would love for you just to give this audience a little bit of that backstory as well. Yeah, definitely. So I, I stepped into this work which around mindfulness, mental skills, and helping men regulate emotions so that they could be their best selves. And I was brought to this work through athletics and seeing the dysregulation that junior college men had while playing sports. And what really grabbed my attention is that this is all about competition. Athletes playing another team, competing against each other for that win, trying to be on a, on a journey to be one of the best teams in the state. We made it to the final four of California State Colleges. And in the final four, it was tied at halftime. With two minutes to go, we're down one and to close the story, we ended up losing by 11. And so for me, it was seeing that intensity for two minutes and the emotion dysregulation that men had, that my team had, which ended up uh, making us lose by 11 points. So physically we, were, we could play with the team, but that mental toughness, those behavioral health concepts, we did not have that solidified. And so I really took the opportunity to transition from being a coach, an athletic coach, and focusing on the mental health, the behavioral health, and how do I help men work with intensity? So I would say that athletes like the intensity because they're trying to compete against each other to win. But that competition is not really about beating someone. Competition is all about doing your very best so that you can strive with someone. And when we continually strive to be our best, you make the cream rise to the top. 
And that's where we start talking about winning and championship, but really that path, that competition, that intensity is really about striving together. But yet as men, we think we have to beat each other up physically when we're, our emotions are not, in, are not congruent. And so taking the opportunity to work with athletes led me to working with men outside of athletics and seeing how much this is an issue of just being in touch and going back on a word used earlier, being curious about your own experience. Men weren't as in touch, which is why I stepped in in this role as a well-being and mindfulness coach and facilitator to let folks know that there are inner tools for resourcing in real time that you can access anytime, anywhere to help put your best foot forward. And these quote unquote soft skills are not soft at all. Yeah. And I say that because at the moment at which you understand that you're in that reactivity, it takes a lot to put yourself and do the work as we talk about practice to acknowledge that, to tame it, and to allow yourself to be in relationship with other people. Mm-hmm. So these skills are truly life or death because as we see, stress can turn into chronic conditions. Chronic right. conditions can turn into early death. So we are talking about life or death here in the terms of the breath, in the terms of noticing our body, but really through curiosity, being kind to ourselves so that we can charge ahead. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does that that begin to lend towards your question? No, it does. Healthy masculinity. And I don't think that um, it, I don't think we talk about it enough. And so it was really enlightening for me during the time when you were on that panel, you know, it was, it was um, very, um, very interesting. And I don't think that, again, we had really gone there with this conversation of diversity, equity, and inclusion, but it made perfect sense as we were talking about men as allies. And so leaning into that healthy masculinity, I think is, is a gateway for that, for being able to be an effective ally. So how did you get involved in the Better Man movement? And maybe tell the audience a little bit, a little bit about the Better Man movement. Yeah, so the Better Man movement is all about bringing more men in to be allies allies in the equity work, allies to women, allies to healthy living, healthy relationships. How can we be allies to you and to our community? And so I got connected actually through Kaiser. I've been doing work around developing stress reduction um, classes and including enhancing mindfulness within the ecosystem of Kaiser. And I had the great pleasure of meeting Nika and being introduced to the Better Man Conference and actually got to speak. And so here we are today, folks taking care of each other, taking care of themselves so that we can create communities like this and share. So I'm really excited that I got that opportunity and to be with you today, Nika. 
No, that's great, Jason. Equally, equally um, excited that that opportunity brought us together and, and in um, community with each other. So thank you. So I want to shift now and I want to give our audience an opportunity. If you have a question, we want you to be able to follow your curiosity and unmute yourself and share or place it into the chat if you desire. You can do so by simply just raising your hand or right now um, you can just unmute yourself and I am looking across so that I can spotlight you when and if you decide to do so. If not, I have lots more questions for you, Jason. So this conversation will definitely continue. <laughs> no worries. I love, I love giving others a chance though. Yeah, please. <clears throat> Anyone care to mute yourself right now and share? Sure. Yes, absolutely. I'm bringing you in as a spotlight. Good to see you, thanks. Hi, good to see you. Thank you so much for showing up. I literally clear my schedule to come up. <laughs> And, and, and attend these vodcasts. They're phenomenal and they're very stimulating. Jason, I wanted to ask you a few things and I'm guilty of a lot of the things that you've mentioned. <laughs> so I wanna talk about the nervous system and, and being a parent of a seven-year-old, there are still, and you'll get there soon, soon enough. <laughs> there, are still, there are still periods where she's, you know, where it's her way or the highway, it's black or white, and it's very emotional. And you being, you know, the EQ coach, I think it's also important as parents that we regulate our own emotions because then we can better assess and understand the emotion of the child. So when that doesn't happen, you know, I, I personally find myself getting entangled in, in the hot mess. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a hot mess. And, and, it's, and, and, then, and then when I catch myself, I'm like, oh, now it sounds like a power struggle, Rochelle. So I'm, I remove myself and then I see objectively what I brought to the table. And then now I backpedal. Okay, Sophia, now you need to breathe. After mommy exploded. <laughs> Now you need to breathe. And I find what happens is when we do that exercise, it actually lowers my heart rate. It lowers her heart rate. And then she's able to better understand her emotions because now we're still learning, you know, this is anger, this is frustration, this is deception, this is betrayal. Like now we're putting words to all of her emotions. What else could, you know, us as parents do? when we're in that tornado? Um, thank you for the question and the insight of the story and sharing. That was really helpful. And it sounds like you just described the stop practice and <laughs> allowed yourself to give her time to understand what's happening. And once she sees you embody the presence of the moment, which is the full catastrophe from intensity to stop, to breathing, to seeing mommy, okay, she's calmed down. And so it's an embodied experience. I've noticed my son, even at six months, and I'll just do just a, scratch my head for a second and then I'll turn around. He's looking, it's like, ah, 
I did not mean to scratch my head. Now you're watching me just do these random things. So I share that to say that they are always watching us and that our behavior is what they're modeling off of. So by you remembering to say, hey, I need to slow down before I can engage with her is the practice. And we use the word practice and mindfulness because literally you have to practice it every day. So right now we're in a safe space. We're using dedicated time and space to support each other. There was a little bit of, if there was a little bit of intensity, we may not know how to work with that because this is our first time all together, this group. If we keep working with it day in, day out, try a little exercise here, three, three breaths, feel our feet on the ground here. When nothing's going on, hey, why don't we just take three breaths together? Creating, and, and, and as Nika said, designing, tilting your day to the well-being, doing those things proactively are, is what I would share. So the things that you all like doing together, the things that she likes to do, doing those proactively opposed to only on the weekends or only after homework is done. That's part of our normal routine and day, which allows us to keep our head above water so that when we do experience the intensity, we're not fully drowning, but we have some skills and some practiced ways of how to reduce what we're feeling. So the, the, the short answer of that is keep doing what you're doing, what you just ex ex explained and shared and stay curious. So I heard stop the curiosity of like, how are you feeling now? What's going on? And then feeling your feet on the floor. Here you are right now in this moment. It's like going to the gym. Flexing we, those muscles. We, yeah, we flex the muscle, we do the bicep curls, and we need to do the same thing with our mental agility and mental fitness. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that example. Thank you. I love that. Thank you for your question, Rachelle. Thanks so much. Thank you. Um, so something that came up for me as you were responding to Rochelle's question, Jason, was the need for us to be much more intentional about making space for people's emotions. I don't know if we do enough of that. Um, and I feel like when we can establish a safe space or a culture where we can encourage holding space for people when they need a moment, that helps us to normalize empathy and compassion. And I think that's that's so critical. I even think about Rachelle's example of, you know, as a parent and a child, sometimes I, maybe we do try to shield our emotions in protection of another person, but how healthy is that? Is that healthy? You know? Um, so I just would love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, intentional conversations we're having it. Is it healthy to hold onto the things that provide and give us intensity? It's okay to work with it. It's good to lean into it, but we don't want to hold, grab onto. Yeah. There's a, in, in, there's a, a, a skill or trick that I learned in meditating that when you have your hands, palms up, 
or open, just palms open. It allows you to reduce your stress. So when you're meditating, sometimes you know you don't know where to what to do with your hands. And so I asked that one day. And someone said, Hey, just keep your hands up, open. And when you do that, you're not trying to hold on or grasp. So when you feel that intensity and you just want to hold on to something, and now you're rigid, now you're tight, just open that up. And so we need to release that tension, open our hands. And as you said, come meet our kids, meet our clients where they're at. Mm-hmm. And so the, the softening is, is what this provides. Yeah. And so when we're able to soften, we're able to open up and that's where relationships begin. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how I came to discover this, but I sleep with my hands balled in a fist. I don't know why, but I do. And I remember one day I happened to mention it to my mom and she says, I do too. <laughs> so maybe it's hereditary, but, um, you know, I wonder if, if just releasing will provide um, better sleep because maybe it's, you know, unconsciously helping with uh, whatever stress I may be carrying it at that moment as I'm laying down to go to bed. Mm-hmm. But um, so I found that interesting. I, found, I was literally doing the exercise with you. So here's a question for you, Jason, that comes from Sharon Long. Thank you, thank you for your question, Sharon. Do you find that mindfulness skills are foundational for having constructive DEI-related conversations with executive leaders at companies? I could see the benefit of running a class in mindfulness before doing DEI work. It's a good thought. What do you think, yes. Jason? Yes, definitely. They go, they go hand in hand. It would be constructive to have... Uh, to be mindful. And as I'm sharing these mindfulness, there's a skill called mindful listening. And mindful listening is all about sitting back, putting on your curiosity cap and listening for understanding. Even if the person you're speaking to loses their train of thought, it's not about stepping in and saying, oh, I remember this, or that was a time like when I did this. Rather, staying composed, staying with your partner or the person you're speaking to and allowing them a little bit of space to come back online with their thought, opposed to jumping in with that assumption, that judgment or that thought, giving folks space. So as we talk about having a DE&I conversation, which is all about bringing in more belonging to folks that have been unrepresented, how do we instill that with justice, with belonging so that we can create space for them? Like that's what the DE&I is for, to create space so I feel whole, so I know that I can belong. If we do not enter these spaces with mindfulness, with that curiosity, with that interest, then we're just stepping in with our own experience of judgment, assumptions, and telling this group what they need, opposed to hearing what they need. So I definitely think there's room for mindfulness within the DEI space. And having a moment to arrive, as I like to call it, before any and all meetings would be 
very impactful for reducing any angst that you might have stepping into a conversation like that. So a moment to arrive is literally, it could just be one minute, it could be 30 seconds. It's literally just giving us time to connect mind to body so that we're one human being. And I, I, the slowdown, mm-hmm. the slowdown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To slow down. I think that's an important message for each of us to take away from today's conversation. Um, slow down. Um, we have just a few moments left. Um, I want to give you a chance to close this out with anything that I have not asked you about today that you're feeling a lot of energy around that you want this community to know. Definitely. You are not crazy. You are not alone. And it takes a village. We've all heard that saying, it takes a village to raise a child. And as we're all experiencing, we're in new territory in life with this pandemic, with how things are going to, how we're going to come out of this pandemic. So I invite everyone to show up for themselves, to push back on balance and say, no, I'm going to tilt the scale to my well being. And when I do that, that helps you. And that helps my family. And that helps my community. And that is the way out of this. It's out of this together. Not isolating, not alone. And there are tools that we can use. Behavioral health tools, mental skills, mindfulness, yoga, taking a walk outside. And as I even am wrapping up and sharing this, I would love to hear from folks via the chat even, like what has been allowing you to stay sane over the pandemic? What has allowed you to put one foot in front of the other? And adding that into the chat, just so that we see all the different varieties of well-being and what it means to be healthy and what it means to be connected. Because my way is not the only way. We are all thriving out here. We all showed up. We had a participant say she clears out her schedule to participate in these. So how are we showing up for ourselves? And I would love to have that be added to the chat because you know this is a village right here. This yeah. is a community and we are supporting one another. I have a small corner over here but I would love to hear how people are holding themselves up, holding their families and communities because there's no big eyes and little U's over here. We can all support each other. And so I guess my take home is stop, take that breath, observe your surroundings, what's happening and peacefully proceed. Not just when crossing the street or driving, but in as many moments of your life as you can. And if you ever need a little bit of support, a little bit of more centering, feel free to reach out. I've added my LinkedIn and contact information. So I look forward to working with any of you. And Nika, thank you so much for the platform and space. 
No, of course, Jason. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you for accepting our invitation and sharing so freely. Um, I'm seeing some beautiful things in the chat that people are walking away with, um, particularly as you pose your last question is, you know, what, what's helping us to remain centered. And, and so I, I hope that you'll get a chance to, to take a look at some of what um, people are coming up with. But I, I appreciate you. This podcast community appreciates you sharing. And we look forward to remaining in touch. Again, all of your contact information has been provided into the chat. And and so thank you for, for being here. I also want to thank everyone for, for your time today and for being a part of our podcast community. Have a great weekend. Take great care. Bye.